Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Well, evidently, there's a little bit of a carryover from last night's game to today's game. The lineup card exchange just happened. This is just moments ago. That's Guillermo Martinez, the coach for the Blue Jays, who rarely, as far as I am aware, Tabby, brings out the lineup card. He shakes Doug Eddings' hand. Eddings is at third today. He had the plate last night. And the strike zone, as everybody who watched the game knows, just was all over the place. And somebody, although that wasn't Eddings, I think that was the first base, first base on Lance yeah. Barrett who made the signal. And then Guillermo Martinez gets into it with Eddings. And unless that whole thing was fun in games, and we don't think it was, Guillermo Martinez is gone. He's sticking out for, uh, sticking up rather, for his hitters because of the strike zone last night. <laughs> I mean, I guess the good thing about an off day is we know that no Jays coaches were ejected <laughs> yesterday. At least as far as we know. Now, there are bars in Milwaukee, right? So, coaches last, can last get out I there. heard, yeah, there's bars. Coaches, coaches could get out there. Anyhow, it's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet Five. Welcome back, buddy. Yeah, you too, man. How, how was your How was your time off? How's your daughter? Uh, she's doing great. Grad was great. Very nice. Yeah, lots of inebriated, broke parents. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically. <laughs> that, There's that, a lot that, of hugging that's, going that's, on from parents. That's yeah. basically <laughs> what it was. Yeah, that's basically what it was. Yeah, that's, that's what. Oh yeah, that, everybody graduated from yeah, Queens. I'm broke too. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, oh. Now that's awesome. That's that's awesome. what it was. Well, yeah, that's why you sent me that picture of, of, of uh, you were double fisted. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had a uh, yeah. they had a special had a special area put aside for the for the parents just to sit there parents and, over here yeah nurse their cocktails wait a minute uh, that piece of paper cost me how much yeah no I'll i have to sip this I, I can't afford another one yeah <laughs> all, all kidding aside it was good fun and uh yeah we're pretty proud of our daughter so uh you should be yeah yeah it was good well somebody in the somebody in the family's got to go to their grad i never went to my grad no so, no i don't even i mean no that's because it took me six years to get my ba and i just i mean i don't even know if they had a piece of paper for me I just kind of ran out. I mean, if you go if you go to something for six years, you would think you would want to go and celebrate that that it's over. You would think you, you would. would think you would think you would. No, you would think you would. Yeah. No. <laughs> you wanted more, basically. Well, let's just say I did not make the dean's honors list over uh, the six years. It well, was it was just enough to get by. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> it was the University of Manitoba, and their standards are a little. So during the graduation, you were the guy, little. You shame. were the guy with the just sort of you were you were fish eyed through the little cracked part of the door. Yeah, yeah, that was me. <laughs> Anyhow, um, yeah, let's talk about the Blue Jays. They had yesterday off. They started three game series against the Brewers, and uh, now now Kevin, I mean, when we were away watching the games on on uh, on TV. Hmm. Um, I have to admit, I missed Guillermo Martinez getting thrown out of the game. Uh, well, that, was Dan that, that was Dan Schulman's call. What's that? What's that? That was Dan Schulman's awesome. call. Uh, it was, and and Dan pointing out, I'll just say this: Guillermo Martinez went out there to get tossed. Like when it, he seldom takes the lineup card out there, and I guarantee you, it wasn't because Schneider was too tired to get out there. Or something. I guarantee mm -hmm. you, this was. This was a plan. Go out and 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 dress, dress down the umpire. And yeah. at, quite frankly, and you know you know me and umpires, but I got to tell you, after Doug Eddings' game the night before, I'm surprised Guillermo Martinez didn't go out and slap him in the face. Yeah, well, okay, like 26 it's, missed calls. Come on. Yeah, it's a lot. Well, even you can't take up for an umpire that that misses that many calls, can you? No. Well, you can't. Well, no, no that no, was no. it was and it it was, I mean, it was just awful. And and the thing is, it was. It, I mean, it wasn't just one team. I guess the only thing you could say is he was consistently crap for both teams. 
Yeah, it was awful. Okay, the Guillermo Martinez thing. See, I got to disagree with you a little bit. I, I did a little homework in that. I know for a fact that's not planned. That was more of, you know, about a couple of seconds before they were handing out the lineup cards. He's like, hey, let me walk up. I got some things to say. It was basically one of those things. It wasn't a bunch of coaches getting together in a room well, 45 planned. minutes before the before the game started and said, okay, you're who's going up to, to talk all this stuff to the umpire? It wasn't that. It was Guillermo. And, you know, I, I think when you're a hitter, especially when it comes from a guy, there's a reason why Guillermo's never been on our show. He's very soft-spoken. He doesn't really want – he doesn't really like the – He does not he, like the limelight. He does not. Let's so put it this him, way. If you're going to pick a coach to get ejected from a game, I'm trying to think if there are any Blue Jays coaches on staffs that I've covered – who would be less likely to do it. There you go. And I got to think hard. There you go. Because there were a lot of guys. Like, you know, Cito's staff, Gibby's staff, they were guys that would get run. I mean, you got to think really hard to think of a coach who is. And I'm not saying that as a slight. I'm just, Guillermo's, Guillermo works his ass off. He Every time you see him, he's working. He's doing something. So he does. For, for, for me, that was more about the players that, that had arguments that – that were very frustrated about that, and I, and I think he was he was more speaking for the for the hitters than he was actually him going up and yelling and screaming at at Doug, Doug Eddings. You know, sometimes th- th- does it make any sense? Probably not. It's just one of those things where sometimes something has to be done. And Guillermo thought that that was what was best for him and what was best for for his hitters, and that's sort of what took place. But look, it's it's. Again, for me, it was accumulation of a bunch of things. When you have an umpire, you have a, a a pitcher on the mound who's trying to do the exact same thing over and over and over again. An adjustment would be nice. We rarely see a lineup like the Blue Jays who is dominantly right-handed. We've talked about this forever. And pitchers do the exact same thing. Who can do this? Who can establish a secondary pitch like a slider for a strike? Like a get me over, maybe they 12-6 it, that's straight up and down, instead of that 1-7, to seven, that put-away pitch. That early in account, oh, oh, one, oh, establish it for a strike that puts it in that right-handed hitter's mind that now i got to swing at it. Get them swing happy, and then you start expanding. And you rarely, if ever, I don't know about you, but when I was watching that, if ever, make an adjustment. I'm, I'm not saying go up and stand on top of the plate, but you would think, Jeff, if you're facing a guy like Dylan Cease, who throws a bazillion miles an hour, who did it with two pitches? That's basically, he wore out a good lineup with two pitches. And if I'm a good pitcher, and I can flip a breaking ball, and I see the same guy every time they walk to the plate, first time through the order, second time through the order, third time through the order, they stand in the exact same part of the lineup, why would I change? Why would I do anything different? So that's sort of the one little thing. This late in the season, we always talk about self-correcting. We talk about this with pitchers. Why why, why shouldn't they be better at it? Well, sometimes you got to look at the lineups and go, okay, this is what this guy's trying to do to you. He's obviously not going to miss too many times with a hanging breaking ball because he throws 99. I have to respect that, and I have to make an adjustment to him. Why don't you you ever see that from the Blue Jays? Let's – well, I mean, that's something we've talked about. All year long. I mean, it's been something that's that's been pointed out, and 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 it's, you know, we said it's not it, the the thing with balance is it's not just simply a matter of having left and right handed hitters. It's pro it's hitters who profile differently, and I, you know, I will say this: I'm not entirely certain that you need to put a lot of thinking into how to go about beating this lineup. Now, there are days where they're going to beat you because they're top to bottom. There's some pretty good hitters. But like Giolito, you, you miss, they make you pay for it. I, I guarantee you that the pitchers' meetings ahead of games against the Jays aren't real long. No, why would it be? I mean, it's it's not as if it's not as if the game plan against them is complicated. And essentially, if they're not going to adjust, you don't have to adjust. I, I I mean, I hate to say it, that's that that's what we've seen. Uh, from this team from the start of the season to now, and you know, maybe it maybe things change when Vladdy. You know, Vladdy's been in a bit of a role, but it hasn't been. I mean, he's one player of the week, but it it's still not. I don't know how to describe it. It looks like if you do, you make a decent pitch, he's going to get himself out. Yeah, how's that? Yeah, it's it's not. 
He's not on one of those heaters where you look at it and go, this is going to continue for the rest of the sure. month. He's just not. Uh, I want to go back to the coaches, though. You know, deal with a couple of things. First of all, okay, Guillermo Martinez gets ejected. And, and the two guys, I, I thought the two Jays hitters who really had, who were really screwed over by Eddings were, were Espinal and Kirk. Uh, both of them had good games. You know, Espinal drew that five-pitch walk immediately after his hitting coach has been ejected. Two things I want to ask you about. One, because I know this is a hockey city and everybody thinks, oh, the Guillermo Martinez was thrown out and he got them all fired up and away they went and they beat. That's not how baseball works. Absolutely not. You still, Guillermo Martinez can get thrown up, if you, thrown out. If you can't hit a breaking pitch, you can't hit a breaking pitch regardless of whether nope. or not he's there. So one, and I think I know the answer to this, one, does that have any impact at all on the team? But two, this is what? Eight ejections for the Blue Jays. We saw Pete Walker tossed the night before. Charlie's been tossed four times. Four times. He leads the American League, I think, a manager. So all those people that uh, yell and scream, why, why yeah, isn't I, Charlie taking up for his team? Yeah, Charlie is taking up, take up for his team. Uh, it'd be good if he wouldn't, if he'd remove his hand from his mouth, though. Like, I want to hear what a guy is saying to the umpire. To, to me, it's more effective than if you, you know, you cover your hand over your mouth. Anyhow. Well, you're getting picky. I am getting picky. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm used to seeing John Gibbons erupt, right? I'm oh, used to seeing John Gibby. Gibbons How could we people. do without Gibby? Anyhow, is this a bad look? You've got, I think it's we counted, eight, I think we counted eight ejections. Mm-hmm. Right? A couple from Pete, one from Schneider, and then Guillermo Martinez. Um, and then, of course, four from, four from, uh, from Charlie. Is it a bad look? Okay, let, because let, I guarantee you, you know what? I guarantee you that there are people in the organization that are going to be asking that question. I just know there are. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, you know, I, I think it's the higher ups too that that might be looking at this big picture, not always following. You know, not always on the road with the team, and would see a coach getting thrown out and getting thrown out. You know, more times than probably what they think they should be getting thrown out. I know this coaching staff very well. I played with most of them. Uh, they're not going to change. Like, this is what they are. They're going to take up for their players. If they think that their players are getting screwed, excuse the language, they're going to stick up for their players. You know Pete Walker. You know John Snyder. You you know every single one of those managers. Now, Charlie sort of, that's, that's a little different one. Like, mm-hmm. you're starting to see him a little bit more aggressive when it comes to taking up for his players, and I think that's on purpose. You know, for, for me sometimes, especially when you have a young lineup who's trying to go where the Blue Jays are going, sometimes – they can't do it. They're not supposed to be doing it. They're trying to find their way. You know, a lot of the umpires that they are facing, you got to be careful about how you present yourself when it comes to discussing a bad call that you think's a bad call. I was one of those people. I didn't know how to do it. I knew one way. Just light him up. <laughs> just peel his hair back and just go after him as hard as I can. Now, the older I got, I would do the the Charlie thing and put my mouth, my hand over my mouth and and say some choice words that would, you know, I knew the word that would get you tossed out. If I wanted to get tossed in a in a Paul Tucky game with all the kids there at 1030, I knew the word. You know, and then I, the word got around from some veteran umpires. If I got to be in this game, <laughs> you're going to be in it too. I just think that sometimes it's, you know, the the coaches now I know the conversations I have they feel like that they they get calls that other teams don't against their team whether that's on the pitching side whether that's on the offensive side whether that's fair whether that's true or not I'm not here to judge that like I I'm not in the dugout neither are you I'm watching this from afar why is that that's a great question and I don't have the answer for that and I do know that there is some rumblings from that from the players from the pitchers, from the offensive players, from the the guys that matter offensively, which is a big deal. It's one thing for a bench guy like a Tapia to walk up to a coach and go, what the heck's going on? Which he's been really good. Tapia's Mm -hmm. no longer a bench guy. He's more of a, you know, he's going to have to do some things because he's left-handed. You notice how good right-handed pitchers have to pitch him differently even even because he's left-handed. He's decently hot. means you got to use both sides of the plate. It's a miracle how that's funny how that works Mm -hmm. that kind of way. But it's when you start hearing guys that matter the most, that play every single day, that start having conversations with coaches and say, yeah, I, I just I get called differently. I feel that way. And then the coach feels like he has to take up for that player. It's not planned. It's like the Guillermo thing. It wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. It's just right. I know for a fact it wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. 
well, you can mm, all you want. I know for a fact it wasn't. I walked up. I, I've had conversations, and he said, I, I have things to say. Can I take the lineup card out? It's what he felt like he had to do because of what he was hearing from his lineup. But that to me means, okay. That, right. that was, whether that's word right or wrong, that's kind I of wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. But plan for me is when you're riding the bus the, the night before that, after it happened, oh, I'm doing this tomorrow. That's planned. Okay. 10, 15 seconds before the, the lineup card's going up. That's not planned. So, yeah, and to the first question you asked, absolutely not. That does absolutely nothing. Again, this lineup is not the hardest to pitch to when they're not making the adjustments that I feel like they could make because they're really good hitters. And if you make a little bit of an adjustment and a catcher notices that and a good pitcher notices that and all of a sudden it puts it in the mind that now I have to do something different, go away from a game plan that we've been using and it's been working. So I think it's more of that. And it's just an interesting question. It's an interesting thought. Whenever I was watching that and guys were getting tossed, I was thinking to myself, is it a bad look for the Blue Jays? Do, do, do teams that come in and face the Blue Jays think they're – Whining too much. Is that a bad way to you say caught, it? You caught something. <clears throat> no, I, I wondered about that. I do. I wonder Because that. you caught something in the uh, in the Yankees series, in that 10-9 game, the final game, the game the Jays won. If you think back to uh, uh, Jordan Romano on the mound, at one point he walks in and chirps Ryan Willis, the home plate umpire, mm -hmm. and the camera's on Aaron Boone. And you could hear Aaron Boone, Aaron, Aaron Boone saying, don't let him talk to you like that. Yeah. I, I mean, it was... Telling the umpire that. Don't let him talk to you that way. I mean, I, I wonder if... Uh, well, it's very hard for us to answer that question because... We don't know. How you, you, we, we'd have team to ask, feels. But we'd also have to ask umpires. But I, do, do the Jays whine more than other teams? But I, I don't know. I but mean, I do know the expectations. that Everybody were picking the Blue Jays to go really far in the playoffs. And now you got the big bad Yankees looking like the big bad Yankees. you got the yeah. Red Sox. Can we, just give, them, can we give the, the Yankees the division title? Just I congratulate so. them right My now. My only question is, can they maintain this and do it? To November, which I don't think they can. Mm. There's no way they can. Can they? You honestly think that they can play baseball like they're playing baseball right now? I mean, they're not going until the last game of the season, which is the last day no, of the, the World Series the, that the, they win. The good thing, you for, really think the good that? thing for them is they won't have to. Like we're we're getting to the point. See, I sort of disagree. The end with of that. the end of August, if they're 14 games up or 15 games up, their best players. We're, we're, we're talking about just maintaining their best players trying to get Trout money. He's playing. The, the more stats he gets, the that's more stats he can throw oh, yeah, in the but Yankees' I'm talking, face. I'm not, but I, I'm and talking, they're going to have to play him. I, I, I'm talking, and, and I you do know this as well, the finishing piece to Aaron Judge wanting to get Trout money is to go on a roll in the postseason and win a World Series because that is, we've talked about, that's ultimately how a Yankees player is judged. And if he, it, bad pun, and if he does that, you know, he's the focal point of a team that goes on to win the World Series. I mean, he's going to get what he's going to get, because that makes it that makes it even even more impossible. Like his art case is today. He he's asked for twenty one. They want to give him seventeen. Say they give him seventeen and a half. You don't think that's going to make him chapped? I, I like think it's going to be another conversation. I'll, that's not good. I'll tell with that, you with that marriage. I'll tell you one thing though. If the Yankees do have a big lead, I think it makes it more likely that they will negotiate a deal with Aaron Judge in season and get a deal done. I, I am fully expecting at some point in the summer the Yankees are going to call a news See, conference so. and announce that they've given Aaron Judge I, that I, contract. I think his I think his unless it's trout money, I think his, I think it will be trout I think money. his I think it will be trout money. has basically said we're going to use other competition, the Mets, whoever else you want to name. They may not have could, to. Well they may not have it's to a big number. It is a big number, but they may not have to. Anyhow, be interesting to see how that is. I just—that's an interesting conversation about the whining part, and is it a big deal? I don't. I mean, with the getting thrown out by coaches, I don't think it's a big deal. I, I think you do what you think you have to do lot. for your players, and because you don't want your players to do it. There's a lot of there. There really is a lot of dissatisfaction out every year. There's dissatisfaction with umpires, but it just seems like this year there's more hatred. There's more. That's of what it. I. That's the, like there's there's. In years past, anyway, just from what I've noticed, like you can tolerate them. There is none of that this year. Like you've noticed, it is straight to, there's no conversation. It is basically right to the, no. I don't like you. You're awful. <laughs> and say what you have to say to throw me out. Like there's no conversation about why you're throwing it there. Is that as much as you're going to give him? Like just the conversation gets heated quicker. Yeah. And 
It's an interesting thought. It's an interesting conversation. What did you make of that series against the White Sox, in particular the Jays' starting pitchers? You know, un- until Ross Stripling's start, they'd given up 20 earned runs in 19 in the third innings, top to bottom, probably the worst they've looked one one through five this year until Ross Stripling, uh, six innings uh, of one run pitching, 87 pitches again, you know, uh, just so efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so, Ro- Ross Stripling's ERA as a starter is is well under two now. So where are we with with the Jays' rotation so, so, right so now, especially it, Barrios and Gosman? If, if you're if you're the front office and you're if you've seen how you say Coochie looks, you, you'd almost think you'd start having conversations about signing Ross. Numbers not going to be very big. Big. I mean, I throw it throw it in the ballpark three for thirty. You give him three for thirty. I do. Yeah, I would too. I would Just too. what he's meant to the team, what he's done out of the bullpen, what he's doing now as a starter. I mean, he's not a great pitcher, but he's not going to hurt your team. And he's going to make adjustments. He'll do whatever he has to do. I and mean, you've noticed when the weather's good, <clears throat> that just adds to the way he can throw his breaking ball, the way he uses his changeup. He's unpredictable now. Oh, oh, he's unpredictable now with two strikes. Uh, he's got a pitch to to miss barrels. He's got a pitch to miss bats, which is a big deal. When you're smart enough to be able to do that, 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 is a, that is a cool thing to watch a guy evolve into just figuring out a routine and all the thought process that goes into being able to give your, tell your team a chance to win when you throw 91. And you, got, you throw the kitchen sink at you. How many guys you know at the big league level throw the kitchen sink at a team? I don't. Can you name it on one hand? And to see a guy be able to do that and be unpredictable the way he is and, and do it with as much confidence as he does it with getting with Petey and figuring out how to not tip his pitches for me is taking him to a whole different level. The thing I like about Ross Stripling is he is, and I'm going to say Manoa as well. I'm going to include him in this. Like Manoa, I never get the impression that when he comes out of the game, that you know, I need to see more. He comes out of the game. I'm always looking at what he's done and said, "That's like I got, I got all of Ross Stripling that night. I got all of Ross Stripling that Ross, night." You know, and, and same thing with Manoa. When Manoa comes out of a game, most of the time, you're thinking, "Okay, that was like every last drop of the was emptied uh, out of the tank." And and the other three, I mean, we'll leave Kikuchi aside for the time being. But so far with Barrios and Gossman, I haven't. There have been starts where I've kind of gone, eh, okay, yeah, that's kind of would would like to see in a little more. I haven't had that in a Stripling start or a Manoa start. Even when Ross was was went that what he go two and a third against yeah, the Yankees, but that was that, that had more to do with the Yankees. Yankees lineup than it had to do with Ross. Yeah, and the wind was blowing like crazy. I'm not making that an excuse, but he's came on this show and this said way. that the wind blows to change up all over the place, and that's lack of confidence. He gets back to that 91 mile an hour you fastball. Never, you never, he never comes out of a game and you look at it and go, man, there were a lot of non competitive pitches there, there. You never say you never say that with Ross stripping. He gets he gets hit, gets his ass lit up sometimes by good teams, but. I never look at his starts and go, there just wasn't competitive. And I've seen starts like that from Barrios. Yeah, that doesn't concern me. He'll figure it out. He does me. Kikuchi, you know, we'll, we, we could do a whole two hours on you say Kikuchi. Huh. And, and Gossman, the, I think the thing with Gossman is we now, I get the impression with him that the Jays now can identify when he's going to have one of those games. He's I think not tipping his pitches. I think they, they've identified that. It's the, the it's whole, I think it's the tunnel, the thing you talked it's about. Been, use the slider more, work the right. fastball around all quadrants as a strike zone. He has to do that now. The word's out that you throw an elevated heater and a split finger that's down. The split finger, when I see it at the knees, I let it go. Yeah. I see any pitch at the knees from him, I let it go. If it's low, let it go. If it's high, let it fly. There, there it is. And the Barrios thing, I, I just scratch my head. On a guy that's been around as long as he has, that I, you mentioned that self-correction thing a lot. Mm-hmm. A guy that's been around as long as he has that should know his self mechanically better than he does, or he doesn't. It's just it's almost like when he doesn't have the feel for the spin, it's not coming off the fingers mechanically. He has no idea how to fix it. Why would Pete Walker have to walk up and go, "Hey, do this"? You don't think this guy's old enough to be able to figure that out on his own? That's the one thing for me that worries me. Like, you know, again, this gets back to September. You want to run into the playoffs. You want all your guys to be the way they should be looking. And I just, that for me sometimes worries me a little bit on why he just doesn't 
Why do you have to be told? That's that's why you sign a guy to 130 large. It's because you don't have to walk up and tell him all the time. He he knows why and how to fix it, and he knows how to fix it in game. And for a guy to come out and say, I just didn't have it, okay. Why would why would it look four and a third or, or three and a third? Why isn't that five and a third? That's that's what your best pitchers do is when they don't have one, they use others to give your team a chance to win. And it just looks to me like he's not capable of doing that. Am I seeing it? And I'm and you see something else? Like where if he doesn't have the breaking ball or the slurve or the Here, slider, call it what you want to call the it. Thing. Here's, he's gonna fall off a cliff. Yeah, why but, is that? But here's the thing. He he is not He's not going to be a guy who's going to go out and, and and pitch to a sub three ERA all year. He's just not. He's going to be a guy who's going to accumulate a lot of innings. Uh, he's going to give you a chance to win. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I is he a guy who is you know going to go out and is he a Max Scherzer type of guy? No, but I think he's he's a guy that over over the long haul, over the life of that contract, is going to give you lots of value for that deal. Uh, and, and there may be times where he's not the best pitcher. You know, there may be a year out of those six years where he is the best pitcher in your staff. There may be years where he's the third best pitcher in your staff. There may he, be years when he's the second best he, pitcher in your staff. That's that's he's the highest paid the way pitcher you pitching. have, and he's the third best pitcher you got. Right that's, now, that's, he that's, is. That's, that's hard to say out loud. Right now, it he really is. is hard to say out loud. Right now, he is. And I just think every time you see him, you know, sort but of in the first also, couple of innings and in the first six or seven batters where he's going to have a good also, day or not. He's also younger than the second best pitcher. He's younger than Gosman. Like it, it's okay. There, there's a lot. You know, Jose Barrios is not a 32 year old free agent. This is not going to be the final contract he signs in his career. So I, anyhow, I mean, I'll go to the and and I also think the athleticism and all, all that good stuff is there. I have an inordinate not amount of I faith. Lie. I have more faith. Frankly, I have more faith in Jose Barrios being what he is now next year than I do Kevin Gosman being what he is now next year. I really do. I'm not. I'm not saying I don't like him, and and you would think him facing the White Sox, he should know this guy's weaknesses. If I don't or have my, person. if I don't, oh well, if I don't have my breaking ball, I can throw something else because I've faced him so many times. I know what they can and can't hit. That's the one thing that just stands out to me is he has to have spin, or he's falling off a cliff, and that would sometimes you know give you give Pete Walker another project, which not always the easiest thing. Oh, Pete's always up for you. Think project. so? Oh yeah. He's always walk up and ask him about you say Kikuchi projects. When you're trying to contend and win championships, you do in the off season, you don't do in season. That's what I said. You know, it might come to a point where you have to trade one of your prospects and get a big time starter in here. So you can move, you say to the bullpen. And it's oh, a two-pitch guy. Oh, we need to have that. Two okay, we can have that. That's, again, that's a two-hour discussion. We can have that later on in the show. Maybe somebody, uh, because the DMs are open, and I'm sure there's every time – the DMs are open. There's something about Kikuchi in there, so I'm sure we can riff off that. We'll do that at 11.30. We've got tickets to give away for the June 30th game against the Tampa Rays. We'll do that later on in the show. Jeff Pass, an MLB insider, joins us at 11 o'clock. And when we come back, Brian Anderson, play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers and Turner Sports, will join us. We'll talk about uh, Brian Anderson's familiarity with you. The family tie, family as it ties. Were. The family tie, sort mm-hmm. of the six sec- six. What is it? Six degrees of Kevin Barker or whatever? Something like that. Six degrees of Kevin Barker. Whatever you say. Yeah, we'll talk about that next. It's Blair and Barker on 590, 360. And as always, wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be joined in a few minutes by Brian Anderson, play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers. Josh Lassard of Sportsnet Stats has come through big time for us. We asked the question about ejections. Josh gave us the breakdown of ejections, so we're going to do that right now. The Blue Jays lead the majors with eight ejections this season. Charlie Montoyo has four of them. Pete Walker has two. Guillermo Martinez has one. And apologies to John Schneider. We just assumed he'd be in it. But no, Jimmy Garcia has the other rejection. It is not like he wasn't trying, though. No. John's most, trying. Yeah, he is. And I'm, <laughs> my guess is he'll probably get there. Uh, most ejections by a team this season. This includes players and coaches. The Jays have eight. The Cubs have four. I'll tell you what. 
If I was managing or coaching the Cubs, I'd be intentionally getting ejected from every game. The Astros have four. The Marlins have four. The Mariners have four. Most ejections by a team this season. This is manager and coaches. Think about this. Managers and coaches. The Jays have had seven managers or coaches ejected. The next closest, the Houston Astros with three and 12 teams tied with two. So the Jays are the fighting Jays. They are. They're the fighting Jays. So I don't, we don't want to hear any more conversations about not taking up for your team. Go hockey on them. Go hockey on them. That's, That's right. right. Maybe if the general manager went out and got him some arms, they wouldn't have to pitch a fit. <laughs> All right. Huh? Do see, you that, see what I did I, there? I, I got you. I you got think you that maybe? Well, it would help probably. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. You, you may want to get some. Couple left-handed bats. You, you, well, never mind. You might want to get some arms in here before that, that Boston-Tampa series comes rolling around. Those, those two series. You may want to get some arms in here. Huh. Maybe. Anyway. No, there's no baby. And maybe that. It's time. I'm just saying. The uh, Jays and Brewers will start a three-game series tonight in Milwaukee, which is a great I, – I always say this about cities like Milwaukee and Pittsburgh and Minnesota. I have – those, to me, are great road cities. They're great road baseball cities. It's a great stadium. And it's a, it's a terrific stadium. I played in the crap one. But the, oh, you pay, the new oh, one yeah. is so nice. Yeah, you, oh, it's great. I played there a couple of times when I was with the Reds. Biggest rats I've ever seen were in County Stadium and the Astrodome. Smell like, in, smell like dog food in the old one. <laughs> like you'd be taking batting practice because they were making beer across the street, and for some reason, the wheat, when they burn it, smell. Oh, man. The hops. It was bad. I blame that. It's the reason why I didn't stay in the big leagues. Let's bring in Brian Anderson. He's a play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers and Turner Sports. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. I understand that this is like old home week with you and Barker here. I, I understand that Barker was one of your favorite minor league players, I'm told. I, I didn't know he was until I met his wife. And then I didn't even know if she was married. And then I didn't know she was married to Kevin Barker. And I'm like, wait, that name sounds familiar. And I couldn't remember where I heard that name. So then I started going back into the annals of my brain, which is dangerous at my age. And I remembered he's on, like, one of my demo tapes from when I was calling minor league baseball. So it's been a been a fun little few weeks here with uh, Hazel May and Kevin Barker. And, yeah, I, I actually was going to go into my old scorecards and see if I could find some stuff. I remember Kevin could rake in the Texas League. He killed that league. Nice. That's, that's, that's what you, well, that's what you remember. I, I was that good of a player. That's why I went to had a you know a super long career in the big leagues. No, I'm just kidding. But it's it's <laughs> you forget now. And and you faced Brian's brother too. That was where I found that. See, I knew I had um, a few years ago, actually during the pandemic, I'd had all these old cassette tapes, CDs, mini discs, all the things we used to record on. You know, these were the things that I was trying to escape the minor leagues with. You know, mm-hmm. these are my tools, my resume materials uh, when I was calling minor league baseball. But uh, I just I had all this time, so I digitized a lot of them. And um, one of them was the day that my brother, which was a, one of the coolest moments in my family, uh, my brother made a start for the team I'm broadcasting the games for. He had been to the big leagues. He was kind of on his way out. He had shoulder surgery and uh, was giving it one last two raw, so he was a 30-year-old in double-A. And uh, that's one of the games. And so there's a clip in there with Kevin. He, You could tell by the sound of the bat he got a good, too, but he lined <laughs> out. So <laughs> I, thought I, uh, I sent that to Hazel. And, uh, yeah, that was – I knew I'd remember the name. Like, oh, man, I remember uh, – Kevin and um, anyway, and now that I'm with the Brewers and like, there's a lot of people that know sure. Kevin and there's we have a lot of the same people that are still around. You know, the clubhouse guys, yeah. all, all holdovers from those days. So uh, they all remember Kevin. So we've had a good laugh here in the last couple. Brian, of years. Brian how, for your for your job, how's it how's it changed from the time you were calling games when I when I played in El Paso to now? Well, I live in a bigger house now, so that's basically <laughs> yeah. the biggest change. Uh, I was making no money sure. uh, in the Texas League. I wasn't passing the hat around in El Paso like you were, Kevin, making all your uh, cash. <laughs> that was awesome. I, yeah. sure I paid for my rent a lot that during too. that time. I sure did. Going to those tax, going to those tax reports. Um, <laughs> no, that's a, you know the the game is a lot harder when you're doing that. I did it for nine years. I was I was stuck 
in the Texas League. I was doing a lot of other things, but, you know, I love baseball. I love calling baseball. I love being a part of that organization back then. They were the Dodgers uh, affiliate and ultimately the Mariners. Um, So I did a lot of things. I played college baseball. So when I transferred over to this career, um, I was coming off a college baseball career, small college career. So, you know, I did play-by-play. I threw batting practice. Um, I caught bullpens. So I was, it was great. I was living the life, you know, they were, the Dodgers were paying me to do those things. And then they, the local team was paying me to be the broadcaster. So, you know, I thought I had like hit a home run. I was living the life I was always wanted to live as a player that I wasn't quite good enough to accomplish. So uh, that was the plan B. And, you know, you, you're setting up your own equipment. You're mm-hmm. uh, traveling around, as you know, like I'm, I'm living the minor league life with all, none of the glory. And again, for nine years on the buses of the Texas League, mm. some really long trips in the Texas League. Um, so that was kind of my life. So everybody asked me, man, don't you just miss the minor leagues? And those, <laughs> I have great stories about the minor leagues, but I miss nothing. About the minor yeah, it's I, funny. I don't miss the $20 a day per diem. I don't miss the $25 a game to call play by play. I don't miss any of that stuff. <laughs> I always tell Barker, tell me, tell me some of the more romantic stories of life in the minors, and he just kind of looks at me as if, you know, as if I've asked the, the, the stupidest question in the planet. By the way, you're in good company because uh, Jason Benetti remembers calling Barker hitting a home run off the scoreboard sure. at Syracuse. Whoa. So there you go. Very nice. Yeah, so like I Very said, nice. six degrees of Kevin Barker. Well, but, yeah. I remember uh, Kevin's ballpark was one of the weirdest, coolest most interesting ballparks mm-hmm. cohen stadium uh was the name of it and they did so many odd things i mean there's a, like half of my minor league stories are from being at cohen stadium and i'm sure kevin could have a whole podcast mm-hmm. about this but from passing the hat you know you hit a home run these guys would i remember scott talanoa kevin that guy made like 10 grand a month just sure. in cash <laughs> for all the home runs he hit right up. So, um that was a cool thing. They always had these weird promotions, and the guy who ran that team was a guy by the name of Jim Paul. He's kind of the Bill Veck of minor league baseball. And I remember he oversold the ballpark once for a concert, and they just put people in the outfield. <laughs> they literally roped off the outfield, and we played the game with, awesome. you know, imagine like a PGA Tour setting, like right. around the tee box. Uh-huh. That's, That's what the outfield looked like. It was like 20 deep from pole to pole. Brian, I can re- I can remember there was a running joke whenever you were hitting. Everybody said, "Don't hit a homer with two outs," because you would have to be the person that would go stand yes. with the hat. But you'd have the clubby come over because the inning was over with two outs, and you would have to pay the clubby some of the money. So everybody was like, "Don't hit a homer with two outs," because you don't want to give anybody else any of your money. So it was a running joke. It was kind of a cool place to play in. It was it was a it was a, if you had to play in Dublin, it was a good time. He was like the D8, so he would stand there. I remember one time he stood there, Scott Talanoa, go look him up. Uh, I mean, Kevin played with him, I think, or knows him, but this guy made more cash. He was the D8, though. So he would stand there the entire next inning, the whole inning, and the whole crowd would come down, and he's getting helmet after helmet. He's filling up helmets. With with money, it was unbelievable. It was awesome. That uh, is tremendous. We want to hit, man. They had the biggest chant. It just stuck in your brain. We want to hit <laughs> every second of every day in that ballpark. Uh, hey, Brad, I want to I want to talk a little bit about the series uh, coming up. Oh, why would you want to do that? <laughs> well, I, mean, I guess <laughs> right, we don't have to. I can let we can go on. Um, not that I'm not enjoying it, but uh, what? What is it going to take for somebody, i.e. the Brewers, to take control of that division? Because every time I look at it, it's kind of it's, it's back and forth. It's tied. Somebody's a little ahead. Somebody's a little, you know, every other division in baseball, most of them seem to be almost over. Um, but this one, man, is like, what do you think it's going to come down to? Well, it's, it's Brewers-Cardinals. You know, it's a two-horse race, and it's been that way for a few years now. And um, I don't know if anybody's going to take a hold of the division, honestly. It's... Um, the numbers are crazy. The Brewers just finished a series with the Cardinals. They split two and two. They they the they've played twelve games now. They're six and six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the numbers are almost identical across the board. ERA, runs per game, all that. So, um, Cardinals are really good. The Brewers are really good. Uh, the division is not very good. So there's you know, once each of the those teams start to get into the mix of the Cubs, Pirates, Reds. 
uh, they'll start to probably stack up some more wins. But, um, you know, I don't think either team's elite. Um, I think the Brewers have an incredible pitching staff. I mean, if the Brewers could somehow marry the Blue Jays and if they had children, (laughs) they'd be a World Series team. Uh, The Brewers can't hit, but they can really pitch. And their bullpen, especially the last two guys in the bullpen, Devin Williams and Josh Hader, are about as good as it gets and certainly as good as it's ever been in Milwaukee. It's the best pitching staff that's ever been assembled in Milwaukee. It's a very hitter-friendly ballpark, very similar to uh, Rogers Center. So it's, um, you know, I I don't know what to say about the division, but it's probably going to depend on who's healthy. And right now the Brewers are weathering a storm with, three of their main starters that are hurt right now. Um, they've got a big piece at second base that's gone, Colton Wong. He's, you know, trying to get back on the field. They missed Willie Adamas, the shortstop, for three weeks. Everybody's got injuries. I think that's a familiar story. Um, but the Brewers have been hit in, you know, some really tough places with key players. And to their credit, they're kind of hanging in there. And um, I think if they do get some of those pieces back, they would have a chance to get on a run and win a bunch of games. And maybe more importantly, not lose a bunch of games. They they had an eight-game losing streak, which shocked me. Uh, but their pitching staff, win hole, is so good that I could, I could never see a, even a five- or six-game winning streak coming out of that because every guy you throw out there has a chance to to dominate. And so you guys will get to see one on Saturday. Corbin Burns, who's the reigning Cy Young Award winner, so he'll get to pitch. Kevin will love that. He he'll get to pitch in the shadows of oh. American Family Field at oh. three o'clock local start time. And <laughs> good yeah. luck trying to hit that. That's, that's good luck. Hey, hey Brian, any any clue on what's going on with Christian Yelich? Oh, that's a million dollar question. I, I think I've kind of landed on. He has a chronic back injury, mm-hmm. so we know that that's a that's a full maintenance <laughs> scenario to try to be on the field every day. He's actually swinging the bat a little bit better since hitting leadoff. He'll never be the kind of hitter player he was in his two great years, his MVP year of 18 and his runner-up MVP year of 19. He's just not that player anymore. He's more like the player that was in Miami. Um, so he's a productive player. He's a you know slightly above average player, but you know he's, he's in the middle of a nine-year contract, uh, 10 years if they pick options up. So... That's uh, he just started that a couple of years ago, so um, it's a tough one, tough to answer. I don't. I think the basic answer is he he broke his kneecap in 2019 on a foul ball in September, that really set him back, and just he he wasn't quite the same the next year. Then the pandemic hits, then he's got this chronic back issue, which is never going to go away, and so when you have a back situation like this, um the preparation to play in a game is as important as playing in the game. You Mm -hmm. want to answer the bell and play in the game, but all those pieces that you guys as as hitters, especially have to go through the the routine of batting practice, the, the warm up, the stretching, the whole, you know, like just seeing pitches and and grooving your swing and all the cuts you have to take off the tee in the cage. Like he was a workhorse and he can't be that. So he's probably got a, he's in that transition where he's got to figure out like, how can he go to the first tee without hitting a thousand balls on the range, mm-hmm. which you can't do anymore. That's basically where he is with his career. So I think it affects him. He's a guy that had success based on his preparations and his reps prior to um, now he can't really do that and stay on the field. So that now everything comes into play. How are his legs? How do you keep your legs in shape? How do you, all of that, the whole picture, the whole body. So it's a, definitely going to be an interesting couple of years with Yelich, but uh, he is not the MVP Yelich that everybody knows. When you look at the back end of that bullpen, obviously, and this is you know, for, for Jays fans, that's, if, if you look at these teams, that is one area. A big separator is the, the, you know, be, between Hayter and, and, and Williams. When you compare that to the back end of the Jays bullpen, it's a big difference. But there's also got a guy in there in Brad Boxberger, and, and he's – those three have really kind of formed a nice trio, haven't they? They have, and he gets left out a lot, and I left him out earlier, but he does deserve a lot of credit. He's a veteran guy. He's been a closer in the big leagues, pitched in that AL East, as you guys know, with the Rays. Um, he's kind of the swing guy, the six-seven guy that 
gets it to Williams and Hayter. And then when one of those two is not available to close, let's say they pitch a couple days in a row or multi-innings, Boxberger's the guy that jumps into the closer's role, so he's been invaluable. There's another guy whose father played for the Blue Jays briefly, Hobie Milner. Mm -hmm. Um, His dad, Brian, was a Blue Jay for, uh, I think, like two weeks (laughs) in the (laughs) 70s. Uh, But he's been great, too. He's a lefty sidewinder that they've used in a very similar role. So what I would say about the Brewers' bullpen uh, as you look at bullpens, you kind of lay out pins as your A pin, the the pitchers that pitch when you're tied or have the lead, and your B pin, the pitchers that pitch when you're down or you know you're trying to cover innings if a starter goes out early. So the Brewers' A pin is as good as any bullpen in the big leagues. You would put that up against anybody. The B pin is not so much. So you that's why the run differential is probably a little you know strained more level with the Brewers because when they lose they lose bad big. They lose bad badly. So um they don't typically hold leads or cover. So that's probably one area that they would like to address. They've actually got a few guys that are pitching a little bit better in that role. So um but overall the starting rotation's terrific. It goes seven or eight deep and they've needed all these guys and then uh, if you can get a lead, it's a race to the seventh inning, basically. Um, more so than any other team with the Brewers, because if Milwaukee has a lead, even a one-run lead going into the seventh, with Boxberger, Williams, and Hayter, their their success rate is uh, like 97%. Mm. Um, they, they pretty much put the games away. Yeah, Jays fans would at least say you have an A pin. You know, Jays fans could argue they don't have a C pin or sometimes a B plus pin. But that's, you know, that's a conversation for another day. I, I got to ask a question. When I play with the Brewers, uh, it just seems like, and even now, all the th- all the names you mentioned, all the good starting pitching, all the back end of the bullpen, with the Blue Jays in, in your mind, do you have a good feel for, would they ever be all in? Say this is the year. Like, you know, you sort of know their weakness. They need offense. They need some score, some runs. Playoff time comes. You got enough pitching to hold the other team to three or four runs. You got to score four or five runs. With this lineup, probably not. Do you think the Blue Je- the, the Brewers, excuse me, will be all in? Yeah, and there is all in. There's an all in for the Yankees, and there's an all in sure. for the Brewers. And so there's a big difference. And the all-in is like there's certain salary restraints and market restraints that you have to do. But the owner of the Brewers, Mark Adonacio, has actually been been great all these years. You know, the Brewers have made the postseason four straight years. They were a breath away from the World Series in 18. Uh, and they've kind of they've developed all these young pitchers, and they don't even think about it in the pitching role. They call it run prevention. So their defense has been a little little down this year. Uh, that's an area they need to improve. So what I would say is, is, and I said this on the air yesterday, actually, during the Cardinal game, I don't think there's one bat that could change the Brewers offensively. Um, could you go out and get a Nelly Cruz, um, an, you know, a Benintendi maybe? Like those are these names that are kind of popping up. That's going to help. But I don't think there's like one bat that's going to, that's going to strengthen the lineup and level the lineup out. So I would say the Brewers wouldn't be so willing to give up some of these young pitchers that everybody's going to want. Um, I, I don't think they'll do that. I think they will try to improve their offense internally. There are a couple of bats as a really talented young shortstop, um, Bryce Turang. Like, you know, are you going to throw these guys in the fire? They just cleared some space. They DFA'd Lorenzo Cain, who's been a terrific big leaguer for a decade. Uh, so that cleared some space for one of their strengths, which is prospect outfielders. So, you know, uh, I think ideally they're just trying to get better, just get to probably average offensively, and then just be dominant on the mound and, you know, get your pieces back there. So I don't know. I, I, they'd probably go get a bat, I would guess. But I don't think a single bat is going to make a huge difference. So all in for me, it probably feels more appropriate in the off season or the next couple of off seasons, trying to lock up these young horses that they have. I mean, they had two pitchers that finished top five in the Cy Young race last year. One of them won it. And they got to try to make those guys brewers for a long time. And, and then they'll be able to go from there. 
Brian, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to be with you guys, and I'm looking forward to the Blue Jays being here. I had dinner with Dan Schulman last night, so awesome. he picked up the tab. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Don't tell our bosses Amazing. that, man. Don't tell our bosses that. Yeah, well, you know, I bet he is turning that in. I bet he is. Tur- of course he, he is. He didn't need, like, five bottles of wine. <laughs> just one was fine. That's I think awesome. he took a few back to his room, actually. I'm sure he did. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, be well. Brian. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to be with you guys. Thank Take you. care. Brian Anderson's a play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers and Turner Sports. He's one of the uh, finest people in our industry. He is. And, um, he's earned it. Oh, he, 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 he paid his dues. The Athletic did a story. <clears throat> pardon me. The Athletic did a story on him. We were just looking at, was it 2020 or 2022? 2022. 2022 by Will, Will uh, Salmon, S-A-M-M-O-N, I believe is the, is the, the writer's last name. That's Salmon, Salmon. But uh, check it out if you get a chance because, yeah, this this dude, you want to talk about putting in the hard miles mm-hmm. to get where you are? He's put in the hard miles. And it's kind of a cool story about him and his brother and and, and, and Chuck Lamar, a longtime scout. And just, uh, it, it's it's a great story. And, yeah, Mike Anderson pitched sure. pitched in the majors it's, a little bit. And I think he went over to Korea, if I'm not mistaken, fished funny. out his career in Korea. It's funny to listen to him talk about the minor leagues. Like, there's nothing good about the minor leagues. It's good stories. Yeah. And it's about where you came from. But there's... You, you you make so, you know, quite frankly, you don't make any money. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. You want, you know, you want to start a career where you start sure. making some money and you start, you know, making more money every single year and you just don't at the minor league level. Yeah. And it's funny to listen to Passing even somebody on that side of the, it is. Well, you know, again, that was sort of the little running joke was don't hit it with two outs because you'll have to get the club to come over and guess how much you got to play the cubby. Because he's going to want his money, and you don't want to give any away because you would fill it up, and you would have to shove it down in your helmet. That's oh, tremendous. That awesome. That's great. We have got tickets to give away to see the Tampa Bay Rays on June 30th. We will do that after the break. Jeff Passan joins us as well as we celebrate the New York Yankees winning the AL East title on June 24th. Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Uh-huh.